the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney. And I'm also a bankruptcy law certified specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. In addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I am both a master of the laws of taxation and a master of the laws of intellectual property. Both of these degrees were uh, granted for my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law, which is located in a beautiful city of San Francisco downtown. And they just asked me to be part of their oral history uh, presentation. So I'll, I'll, I'll share with you more about that later on. Um, as 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 the weeks go on, but at any rate, and because of my education, my training, my experiences, my life's observations, and my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and the creation, preservation, and transfer of wealth within families and communities, including tribal communities, and the roles that these particular aspects of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. As strange as it seems, but I practice bankruptcy law because it intersects with just about every other area of the law. And it also intersects with parties on just about every rung of the economic food chain. So it's very intellectually stimulating. And I also practice some related fields in my overall consumer and small business financial practice, including debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and of course, taxation law. And with these areas of law as my reference points, that is to say, as they relate to the personal, familial, community, and small business aspects of finance, I've spent the greater part of the last 40 years, both before and after getting my license to practice law, fighting for the economic empowerment, the economic independence, and the economic autonomy of women and people of color and communities of color, including indigenous peoples. And because I grew up as a military brat and always will be one, and I also helped create another one with my former spouse who was also in the military. As such, I have firsthand knowledge of just how hard it can be sometimes financially and economically for our citizens, soldiers, sailors, airmen and women and Marines and their families in our sometimes less than patriotic capital-based economic system, especially after these individuals and their families separate from the service. As such, I also proudly serve veterans of all stripes and in all branches of the military. 
And as I've shared with you in the past, I just have such admiration for my grandmothers when I was growing up. They were always there for me. And they taught me a lot about economics in addition to how to be a good person and to love God and try to do the right things, these women were so smart about economics because I believe they survived the four great economic challenges of the last century. That is to say, the Great Depression, the privations of World War II, and unfortunately, the systemic racism and misogyny that they had to overcome is this same racism and misogyny that continues through into our society today. And as these women helped raise me and they always loved me and share with me great stories of their grandparents who loved and raised them in the post-Reconstruction Jim Crow South, it is out of my great love and respect for these women who are always with me, along with my great father, my dad, urging me on to do the right thing. And that is to say that when the situation is right, look out for and seek out opportunities where I can at least attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors and the disabled who find themselves the targets of, and unfortunately more and more the victims of some of the most pernicious forms of adult and elder financial abuses that you can imagine that seems to be running rampant in our society today. So the purpose of Selwyn's Law, in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money and more and more probably than not these days, the lack thereof, or at least an insignificant or unsubstantial amount thereof to deal with your day-to-day financial issues and your overall finances and what you may need to consider to protect or reclaim or rehabilitate your or your family's or your small business's financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening educational forum. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that's tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with at least an overall outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find the qualified legal professional help I believe you need if you are having a legal issue that intersects with your finances and or your other assets and or your debt. So today we continue our discussion on what we all need to know about our banking and other depository financial institutions, how they work, how they are regulated and supervised. This so we can obtain a knowledge base that is sufficient enough to not only allow us to protect our own liquid assets deposited into and used by these institutions to make their profit. And just as important, how we can gain the knowledge base and the wisdom that we need to be able to um, distinguish between some of the asinine political rhetoric espoused by some political candidates and real facts that we need to be able to make wise choices when we go to the polls so that we vote in our own best interest and only elect in the first instance or allow to stay in office only those politicians who care about 
our needs and spend their time required to research and implement laws and perform the necessary oversight of those in the executive branch and independent agency heads who are responsible for supervising the safety and soundness of our money and not have these same politicians waste our time focusing on their narcissistic need to spell their homemade horse manure uh, that's focused on non-existent anti-wokeness and critical race theory-based culture wars that keep we the people apart and at each other's throats while they, the incompetent politicians, spend our tax dollars laying the foundation for them to take the really big money from the business interests that want to weaken the necessary oversight and monitor our financial world being in their interests and not our interests. So we've been focusing on this subject matter for the last few weeks. As such, we've looked at four main topic areas. First, we looked at the structure of the balance sheets of banks in general and Silicon Valley Bank in particular, which was heavily invested in and funded by the department, the deposits of startups and venture capitalists and their owners. And because of its years of assisting both venture capitalists and venture capital-based technology companies get properly launched, including some run by women and persons of color, the local community on the whole believe Silicon Valley Bank to be a great place to have a banking relationship if you were in the technology sector, either as a venture capitalist or as a startup. In fact, it was this over-concentration in just one type of banking consumer customer as both its source of funds from their deposit as well as its uses of funds to make personal and business loans right back into the same set of entrepreneurs and their businesses that turned out to be a major problem. Then we also looked at some of the technical financial reasons why Silicon Valley Bank failed, including the economic relationship between inflation and interest rates increases and decreases implemented by the Fed and the relationship between interest rates and the value of bonds, uh, as well as the inverse relationship between bond prices and bond yields. While the concentration of account holders may have laid the predicate, it is also true and it can be objectively substantiated that marketplace timing of these economic factors that I spoke of earlier and market conditions today played a more substantial role in Silicon Valley Bank's demise. Then we looked at the fact that on March 17, 2023, Silicon Valley Bank's parent, SVB Financials filed for a court-supervised reorganization under Chapter 11 of the Bankruptcy Code to provide it protection while it searched for buyers of its particular assets. The holding company's assets as opposed to the bank's assets because the bank's assets went to a receiver. And um, that happened days after Silicon Valley Bank was taken over by the state of California and the United States regulators. And as I informed you last time, I went online to look up the bankruptcy case, and it is denominated as NRE SVB Financial Group, case number 23-10367, and it was filed in the United States Bankruptcy Court for the Southern District of New York with Chief Bankruptcy Judge Martin Glenn presiding. Now, the bankruptcy was properly filed in 
in New York, although it could have been filed out here in California, but it was filed properly in New York because notwithstanding the bank being located in the Bay Area, the holding company, that is to say SVB Financials, is headquartered in Manhattan. I then stepped us through some of the regulatory actions undertaken to preserve SVV's assets. Um, Again, in the case of SVV on Friday, March the 10th, 2023, because it is chartered in California, its state regulators, the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation, stepped in, took control by closing the bank and appointing the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation as its receiver. In its role as receiver, the FDIC created a new entity, the Deposit Insurance National Bank of Santa Clara, and immediately transferred all of SVB's insured deposit into this new entity to protect the depositors. Then on March 13th, 2023, the FDIC transferred all deposits, both the insured and uninsured to the Silicon Valley Bank, uh, bridge bank in a, a full service bridge bank that operated under the auspices of the FDIC uh, while it, the FDIC tried to find a buyer uh, uh, amongst potential bid- bidders to buy the assets. So when we come back, we'll take a look at what we need to know about our banking and other depository institutions, how they work and how they are regulated and supervised, including what mechanisms and safeguards in our banking system that are focused on ensuring that our liquid assets are safe when we deposit them into banks and other financial institutions. There are three Uh, financial entities that provide insurance and they provide this function and they are the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation for banks, the National Credit Union Administration for national credit unions and the Securities Investors Protection Corporation for brokerage houses such as Charles Schwab or Fidelity. But first we'll take a short break and I'll see you on the other side. back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our discussion by taking a look at what all we need to know about our banking and other depository financial institutions, how they work, how they're regulated and supervised, including what mechanisms and safeguards are in our banking system that are focused on ensuring that our liquid assets are safe when we deposit them into banks and other financial institutions. There are three financial entity insurance companies that perform these insurance functions, and they are the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation for banks, the National Credit Union Administration for national credit unions, and the Securities Investors Protection Corporation for brokerage houses. Now, before we take a deep dive into the insurance function of the FDIC, here's the latest and greatest on what's up with the assets of Silicon Valley Bank. Well, according to the FDIC, It brokered a deal this past weekend that has allowed First Citizen Bank of Raleigh, North Carolina, to purchase, listen to this, $72 billion with a B assets of Silicon Valley Bank for only 
$16.5 billion with a B dollars. That's a $55.5 billion discount, representing a 77.08% discount, representing $0.22.9 cents on the dollar. What a deal. In addition, First Citizen also obtained the right to handle $56 billion with a B of Silicon Valley's deposits. The According to an article published at, on Forbes.com attributed to Bloomberg and the FDIC, that's where this information comes from. So as of this past Monday, March 27, 2023, 17 branches of Silicon Valley Bank began operating as Silicon Valley Bank, a division of first citizens. Now, you should know that the acquisition of these particular assets of Silicon Valley Bank means that First Citizen, which was ranked as the 30th top bank in America by the Federal Reserve, instantly moved up to become one of the top 15 banks in the United States. And according to an article written by uh, you, that was published in Bloomberg.com on March 27, 2023. First Citizen Bank has more than 500 branches in 21 states and doubled its size to $219 billion with a B with the acquisition of Silicon Valley Bank. Now, how can that be? You lay out money, $16.5 billion, and you double in size. They got it at a great discount. I already told you they got $72 billion for $16.5 billion, and their stock price immediately rose up because it has a wider reach, it, First um, Citizen Bank, uh, throughout the United States. Going on with this article, North Carolina's First Citizen Bank doubled its size with the stroke of a pen in the early hours of Monday morning when its landmark FDIC-assisted acquisition of Silicon Valley Bank. And nobody will reap the rewards more than the family that orchestrated its growth in the last century. And they got a lot of this growth by buying banks that are in distress. Now, Chairman and Chief Operating Officer Frank Holdings Jr. and his four sisters, Olivia Holdings, Hope Bryant, Carson Bryce, and Claire Bristow, collectively own about 20% of First Citizen stock and have close to 50% of the voting power of the company. This according to SEC filings for a uh, cumulative stake worth $2.7 billion thanks to Monday's 54% stock gain following the deal. Again, their wealth increased by buying a bank that's in distress. The surge erased all of the stock year-to-date losses in the regional bank sell-off stemming from Silicon Valley Bank's failure and the contagion fears. Now, the Raleigh-based First Citizen and the Holding family have kept a low profile for years, for decades, but the family-owned bank has been on a mission to expand nationwide via opportunistic acquisitions. Its growth accelerated since the 2008 financial crisis thanks to a series of more than 20 to zero FDIC-assisted acquisitions of smaller failing banks, including California's $1.8 billion First Regional Bank, 
uh, a 1.1 billion Tecumisa Valley Bank, and also that's also based in Southern California, and the 1.8 billion Denver-based United Western Bank. At the end of 2008, First Citizen had assets of 16.7 billion. So prior to this week's SVB deal, the bank's assets rose enormously to 109 billion. So that's that's who now owns and controls Silicon Valley Bank. I got, I got nothing but goodwill for the holdings, and I hope they do a great job for their depositors out here in California. So now let's let's turn to. Um, the mechanisms that ensure the liquid assets by looking at the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Just a little bit of history. Uh, since 1933, the FDIC seal has symbolized, and I got this information directly from the FDIC's uh, website, which is located at FDIC.gov. They state that since 1933, the FDIC seal has symbolized the safety and security of our nation's financial institutions. FDIC deposit insurance enables Customers to confidently place their money at thousands of FDIC insured banks across the country. And it's back with the full faith and credit of the United States government. FDIC deposit insurance coverage um, depends on two things, whether the bank you choose and its, de- and its deposit de- um, products come under the auspices of the insurance and whether the bank itself has FDIC insurance. Now, FDIC insurance covers checking accounts, negotiable orders of withdrawal accounts, savings accounts, money market deposit accounts, time deposits such as certificates of deposit, CDs, cashier's checks, money orders, and other items issued by a bank. And for a single account, the coverage is up to $250,000. For joint accounts, it's up to $250,000 per owner. So a married couple, $500,000. Three-party deal, $750,000. So you can have more than $250,000 in coverage if you have certain kinds of accounts. So a single account is is where a person who is not a separate corporate entity, um, they have all of their accounts lumped in together and cannot exceed the $250,000 to be fully insured. Joint accounts, again, that same thing for each individual who's a member of that joint account cadre. Certain retirement accounts, SEP IRAs, up to $250,000. Revocable trusts, up to $250,000 per owner, per unique beneficiaries of the trust. Corporations, partnerships, and unincorporated association, $250,000 per corporation, partnership, or unincorporated association. Irrevocable trust, again, $250,000 per unique beneficiary that's entitled to be on the account. So the FDIC does not cover stocks or bonds or mutual funds, life insurance, annuities, municipal bonds. It doesn't cover your safe deposit box or its contents. It only covers bank accounts. 
The limit, as I told you, is 250000 And when a bank fails, the bank will be closed, as they did in Silicon Valley Bank, and a receiver will come in and look at a way to liquidate the assets so that it will inure to the benefit of the depositors and not to the officers and executives of the bank. So when we get to together next time, we'll look at the two other insurance entities, the one dealing with credit unions and the one dealing with stockbrokers houses, and they're very interesting as well. But we're going to leave it there for now. But as always, in closing here at Selwyn's Law, we want to stay on the right side of the law, including laws and regulations implemented by our government to safeguard our hard-earned dollars when we deposit them into federal or state-regulated financial institutions. All this for our greater good. So till next time, take care. Mask up when you're out and about. I'll see you next time. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.